begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It is Chris Milton, Ben, to talk about some Star Wars. This is Outer Rim Transmission number 92. Uh, this week, we're breaking down the latest trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3. We're reviewing The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 4, titled Faster. And we're going to get into some really cool things that might be happening in 2025 with Star Wars maybe returning to the big screen. All that and more on this episode of Outer Rim Transmission. If you want to listen to this, you can go ahead and stream it on a podcast streaming platform. But we also go live on YouTube so you can begin to chat in the chat room. So how's it going, guys? Good, fellas. How you guys been? I am uh, glad to be back to do some Star Wars talk. Yes, nothing like it, right? Every week, it's just clockwork. Just, hey, it's 9 o'clock on a Friday. We're, we're here to talk Star Wars. We're here to talk to you guys in the chat. As always, how's it going, Ben? Good, good. Yeah, I mean, it's, hey, we're we're like the, uh, the Star Wars shows every week. We're always just penciled in for Friday night at 9 p.m. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So I don't have anything in particular uh, with Star Wars to bring up other than, hey, I'm continuing my painting journey with the Star Wars Legion stuff. I've been painting like a machine. Um, I, I could be like you and Milton and have some Star Wars thing in the background. I think I will. I think I, I will put Mandalorian on maybe next week as I'm painting in the background. But uh, I've been just, you know taking a trip down uh, the history lane of things and just looking about things I'm, I'm doing in Europe and getting more into that culture and all that there. So, yeah, other than that, I've just been painting Mandalorian Super Commandos and just, you know, maybe I'll get into some Star Wars video games as we get closer to Jedi Survivor. Um, but not much else to report on from my end, honestly. Any Anything for you guys? Honestly, not this week for me, just except for the episode for Bad Batch. Um, this week's been just kind of crazy with, you know, with the real world, a.k.a. having a job. So uh, so that always gets in the way. But really no no personal things with Star Wars this week that I can think of. I mean, I'm always reminded of it, but really nothing that I interacted with with this week. Yeah, I mean, fair you know, enough. That, that, yeah, I mean, that that's how it can be sometimes, you know, just like just a basic, basic normal week. Nothing too nothing too crazy going on um for me all i the main thing for me when it comes to my week in star wars was you know as we all know a couple weeks ago i started the um the start the start of my watch through of the mandalorian mm -hmm. leading up to the new season so a couple weeks ago i started with the first two episodes last week was the uh uh the third one this week was the one the fourth one where you have mando going to the planet where uh the Gina Crotto episode where he goes to the planet and, you know, it's it's like kind of mirroring Return of the Jedi and stuff, you know, with the the walker in the forest and um, Grogu messing around with the frogs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And it, a lot of people like had hated on that episode in the first season. And like looking back on it now, I really enjoyed it. Like it's just a fun like mission. And to me, honestly, since you're having like. I don't know, you're introducing such, like, a nice area. The whole idea of, like, family to Din Djarin and Grogu through that woman and her family. To me, I think, um, unless we get... See, see like, to me, okay, like... When it comes to the Mandalorian show, I 
either, of course, Din Djarin could die at the end of the series, you know, doing something heroic, you know, blah, 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 something heroic. But for me, a second option, I think, that there's a chance of happening is after all the big events happen, all, you know, whatever action-packed thing we get with Thrawn and Ahsoka and whoever, um, to me, I think there's a chance they give Din a happy ending with him and Grogu potentially going to settle down on that that planet. And, you know, you, you get your classic Star Wars happy ending, kind of like Return of the Jedi-esque, and have him go there and finally take his helmet off for that for that chick. And I think there's a chance of that happening because of them introducing that, and we still haven't connected. We've connected back to almost everything else in The Mandalorian Season 1 except for that planet. So to me, it's like... I wonder if they're saving that for a long, a really long-term yeah. play in this in this show as a whole. So that was kind of my weekend. Star Wars, just kind of really thinking deep on that episode. Yeah, it's good introspection there, Ben. Because yeah, I, I got that feeling too, where it's like, hey, this is he can go one of two ways. He can go, he can go and try to save Grogu from Moff Gideon, in which he did, or he could just stay there and let the bounty hunters keep chasing him, I guess, and eventually maybe get killed or whatever but it was a nice thought of like hey yeah uh, this could be what happens if i'm if i settle down i have this nice woman here they're very nice people very simple lives uh just completely what i would like at this point rather than running away and being with these violent situations all the time but yeah i mean either go to blaze of glory or we just see Din Djarin on that planet, and that's why we never see or hear of him again. Um, and uh, we always think of, like, hey, uh, you know, what happens with these prequel Jedi? Like, why aren't they involved with the original trilogy, the ones that survive? And it's like, well, why wouldn't Din Djarin be at the Battle of of Exegol with, with the rest of them and all that? Well, hey, there's, there's a way to write him out. Just, the guy's done fighting. He's tired. He's just going to sit here. And I think it's nice to, if we can get more Star Wars characters to just oh. have an ending like that. Oh, well, saying, and, if you want to, if you want to just do it like that, I mean, just have Ryan Johnson write his, you know, his particular episodes of writing them out, because and Ryan Johnson will make him trash, like he made Luke Skywalker. Yep. <laughs> and actually, and, and, and actually, you know what? I, I I was thinking about this when Ben was talking. So I will say I had a moment in Star Wars this week because this week I've been I've been, I have the Peacock Network. Oh. Because yep. I'm, I'm a huge wrestling fan, as you can see. I'm wearing another wrestling shirt like I always do. So, Love Peacock, uh, by the way. Yeah, so I was watching, um, you know, a, a wrestling pay-per-view or so whatever show on there, and they do the ads. So I guess Ryan Johnson has a new show called Poker Face oh. coming out, and it looks good. I mean, also okay. I'm like, I'm gonna check it out. And then I remembered he'd have that new movie that came out was a Glass Onion, mm -hmm. the sequel to Knocked yep. Out. I need to watch it. I heard it's really good. And my thoughts were going here. It's like, wait a minute. This guy is such a talented director and storyteller. And he can make these individual stories and these universes that he's created. But you wrecked Star Wars. Like, that. that's where my mind went at one point. This week. <laughs> I think, I'm thinking, like, my God, like, Knives Out was fire. I heard Glass Onion's good. I'm going to watch that. This Poker Face show looks good because he, he wrote it. I think he directed some of it. And it's like... Damn, bro, you make these good shows and you wrecked Luke Skywalker? Like that that, well, that I legit went to that point at one point and I'm thinking, wow, like Ryan Johnson, you should have never touched Star Wars. Oh, like this, I, this, this this validated 
this validated all my feelings about that movie because it's like I know he's talented, and I remember how hype I was no. when they announced him being the director. Thinking, oh my god, he tells he tells good smart stories. Well, he, no, he's really good at telling the micro versions or the micro side of a, of, a, of a character. I'm thinking, dope. Hopefully, the fight's gonna be on point. And then I'm thinking, and obviously we got the Last Jedi. And even looking back on it, it's like, wait a minute, he's cranking out good projects since that movie. And it's like, bro. What did you do with Star Wars? Like, how oh, did you, how did you let that happen? But that that was my week. Now that I think about it, because my head went there multiple times. Every time I see his trailer for his new show, I'm thinking, Ryan Johnson, you sob, you ruined Luke Skywalker. <laughs> well, well, Milton, here's the thing. Um, uh, I think when you were when you were explaining that, I know exactly what it's like. So you know, we all we use fit a lot of fitness and sports analogies on this podcast. What it is is. How many times have we seen it in the NFL? I'm sure. I mean, even with the Eagles being as great as they were this season, how many times does an NFL coach every week they get way too cute on a play call and do a double trick play, blah 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 blah, and then the play gets blown up and they lose 20 yards? Like that's what it was. He got too cute and overthunk that movie versus just like over, you know, not overthinking it. And I, th- I really think that's what it was because, like you said, if you look at all of his other film work, it's like really good. Um, I mean, you didn't even mention Looper. Looper's a really good movie. Oh no, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, everything. Like, no, the the problem is, is everything past the Last Jedi. Oh yeah. Before that, before that, I was like, oh, he's the guy. You you put him on the movie. I want him. Like I said, he was nice with these stuff with Breaking Bad, Looper, Brick, all that stuff. He's touched. Um, and then at Last Jedi, we got what we got. And then post Last Jedi, I'm thinking, man, this guy really like is a really good director. He's a great storyteller. This is what I was wanting from him. And then it's thinking, wait a minute, you have us, you have us watching a car chase in space for two hours. Bro, yeah. Like, oh, this opened up a can of worms. So, so <laughs> because now I have something I want to talk about for my week in Star Wars, other than painting Star Wars miniatures. Um, so first it was Ben that jogged Milton's memory. Now Milton's jogging my memory, apparently. <laughs> so the Disney UK and, and Ben, I don't know, or Milton, I don't know if you've seen this because I put this out earlier today. They put out a tweet, the, the Star Wars UK Twitter handle. They put out three images of Finn, one from each movie. And they say, he's oh, a big yeah, deal in the resistance. That. Watch Finn's journey on Disney+. Plus. And I got a little mad because yes. I literally retweeted this. And I said, what journey? You guys left yeah. the storyline in the dust after The Force Awakens, shaking my head, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Exactly. And so so let me let, let me just interject here. You're absolutely right. Because the only, only thing I'll give this the sequel trilogy is that that first movie did its job to set things up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'll give JJ credit for what he was trying to build with The Force Awakens. I've always said, I kind of like that movie. It's actually not that bad. Brian Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy, screw you. Because you two literally left you disrespected Finn throughout that mm-hmm. whole yeah. next two films. Hell, you disrespected Chewie because Chewie does nothing. Okay? <laughs> Hell, the worst character that gets the most disrespect besides Luke Skywalker is R2-D2 because mm-hmm. all he does is wake up, show some shit, and go back to sleep. sleep. That's all he does. That's all he does. And I don't want to hear – literally, I get into this fight with my boy. His name's actually Chris, too. I get with my fight, my boy, get in a fight with my boy Chris all the time because he'll sit there and try to defend the the last Jedi, and I'm like, bro, that makes no sense. You are, you love Luke Skywalker too. This makes no sense. 
this makes no yeah. sense how they disrespected the legacy characters when really you should be building the legacy characters up to in order to build up your new characters. Like it makes no sense. It's it's like it's like professional wrestling. If you want to get somebody new that's over, you have to build them up mm-hmm. with the old guard. You have to tell a story with them. You have to make the crowd want to be with them. You know, which means you got to use the old heads to build up the new the new heads. Like it just make it's how it works. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a funny that's a funny analogy too. Like or not a funny an uh, appropriate analogy too. Like when it comes to like wrestling, that's one thing. Like say what you will about the WWE and everything associated around it, but they know how to treat their like nostalgia characters. You know what I mean? Like they one hundred percent like they know like it always. Like me, I'm not even like the biggest wrestling fan. Like I'll tune in like if I hear like, oh, Steve Austin's coming or potentially The Rock could guest star or, you know, like people like the big, big, um, the big people um, could show up like stuff like that. They know how to like get those guys hyped and like bring them into the fold like perfectly. But also, like you said, putting on the new people, like putting on the new um, wrestlers like they, they do such a good job of that, in my opinion. And that's that's why, in my opinion, like WWE's entertaining because like they had they know how to do like a perfect blend of the old and new um, for the um, for the people being involved. Absolutely. Yeah. So <laughs> how how about a heated intro to this week's episode? Um, sorry, Ryan John. Sorry, sorry to dunk on you, but it's just uh, one thing after the other, one thing after the other. No, 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 no. Do not, do not, do not, do not defend that man. Like honestly, like, hey, he's, he's 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 always welcome. If he wants to come on here to chat, Star Wars. I'll listen, I'll, I'll be the first one to talk to him, and I would I wouldn't yeah. disrespect him. Like I would have a conversation. It's the fact that yeah. I said, like, Ryan, like you're that talented, bro. What what was why? Why did you do that with the Last Jedi? Because all your work now, it it it, it does not validate what you did with the Last Jedi. That to me, it makes no sense. It's like you're that smart kid who wanted to take a day off, taking one test, but then you're going to ace the next four or five in a row, bro. What would you think? Just be consistent. You know what I'm saying, like, come on, be consistent the whole time. Like, you got too cute. Run the damn ball, okay? <laughs> don't don't pass it 50 times. You you run it down his throat, okay? You're a running. Pete Carroll at the one yard line in the Super Bowl. <laughs> if if anyone knows what he's talking about. Go watch that Super Bowl. Then you'll say, oh, that was Ryan Johnson at the one. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like the Force Awakens set you up to score. And you want to – It was Russell – the Force Awakens was Russell Wilson getting the game-winning drive, 50 seconds left against the Patriots, getting down at the one, and then going, nah, instead of giving, it, giving the ball to the best running back in the league, let's throw it and get picked off. Like that's that's what it was. For all our sports fans – that's the mind analogy. You, mind you, and here's another thing. You could have repeated as champions. So, hell, Star Wars would have had two blockbuster sequels in a row that would be universally loved mm-hmm. by the fans and critics if only Ryan Johnson did his job. <laughs> but, okay, that's that's enough. Oh, man. How's that for a start? Everybody, we're fired up here on the Outer Rim Transmission. But we would like to see what your thoughts and hear what your thoughts are. As always, we go live every Friday at 9 o'clock eastern time and we also are available to download on any of your podcast apps of choice including spotify apple music google play and more so we're going to jump into things for out this week we have two comic book releases that i reviewed on this channel 
right here. And that is Bounty Hunters issue number 30, as well as Han Solo and Chewbacca issue 9. So both great, fantastic, fast reads, kinetic, perfect examples of Star Wars comics done right in all sense of the medium. So make sure you go ahead and check that content out. Milton, this one's for you. Um, we got we got a little update on a game that I recently got into that I know you've been a fan of. Galaxy of Heroes is adding Admiral, Admiral Trench. Um, oh, yeah. Apparently he's he's being added to the game, and I just wanted to mark that down as hey, it's cool that the Separatists are getting some love because I have a buddy of mine who's a Separatist fan fanatic, literally in every sense of the word. Dan Grievous, he's got a YouTube channel, check it out, where he does awesome like video music montages. Uh, we were going back and forth, he was very excited when I when I tweeted with him in it. Um, Admiral Trench is coming to the game, and it's like, oh my gosh, like, this game has great representation of the Separatists. You have Newt Gunray in there, you have Pongo Lesser, you have this guy, you have Geonosian, so there's a lot of cool stuff in there, as well as all the Legends content, uh, they had recently put Zori yeah. Bliss, so they're they're even paying homage to the the sequels there as well. So uh, I think yeah, you know what though, for, yeah. for what that game is, I'm surprised. Oh, well, I'm not surprised, but I, I'm I'm actually glad that it's nice seeing the detail that they put in the game in the sense of what the characters look like. Like when when I see Anakin Skywalker in that game, he looks like Hayden Christensen. You know, yep. um, I think they're putting Jedi a uh, Jedi uh, Padawan Anakin in the game soon because I know Whoa. he popped up. As one of like the computer characters that you play against at one point. It, that was like this week when I saw that. Oh. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think they're going to add him eventually because usually when they, you, you know that when they sneak in a character they haven't seen, oh. you're just like, wait, I haven't seen, I haven't seen you, or I haven't seen that character before, but <laughs> I think they're going to sneak him in later um, as the game gets more developed. But because um, I was thinking about games about Star Wars the other day too, and I'm thinking like, I, I'm kind of hoping we get some type of like, we have the Fallen Order coming out, or excuse me, the uh, Jedi Survivor coming out. Mm -hmm. I would like to get a Star Wars game of all three uh, trilogies like that. Like, putting like kind of like the, the Skywalker saga for Lego. Mm -hmm. Give me an open world game like that. Like, oh, kind of like how Survivor is like built, or how Force Awakens was like built, or not Force Awakens, Force Unleashed was built. Like, I like want real people, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. real people to play. Like, I want something like that, kind of like um, you ever play the uh, the Matrix game on PlayStation Two? I still have it. Oh it's yeah, the Matrix, the Matrix reloaded. Enter it's, the Matrix um, or something? Yeah, un unleash the Ma unlock the Matrix or something or like something that. Something like that. I, I still have that game, and I love that game. Oh I want yeah, something like that, or kind of like you know, uh, Revenge of the Sith, the um, Obi Wan game, yes. or yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's... those those type of games, like, that's the thing with Star Wars, like, the gaming, the gaming sphere, I mean, gosh, guys, we could do, like, a three-hour podcast talking gaming and, like, what we want and our favorite things and all that, like, gaming's such a big part of Star Wars, I mean, you mentioned it before, Chris, like, before we started the podcast, like, gaming is, like, like, a huge part of Star Wars for you, and it is for, like, so many people, and, like, for me, it's just, like, um, you know, I enjoy the Fallen Order game, it's, like, great and everything, but I just, I still just want more, you know? Like, I'm just ready for that open world game. I think um, you need that for all three trilogies. I think they need to do, like, an ultimate, like, game where there, there's all nine episodes where, yep. like, it's, like, what, 150 hours, 200 hours of gameplay. Like, that'd be dope. Like, I mean, you can make, like, that game would be, you make a billion dollars off that game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, that like, that damn game would be making records um, if it that, had the fidelity like, of the graphics. I mean, think about this, though. 
in was it next summer, which is 2024, they're, they're going to be making NCAA, bringing that football game back for college football. That game itself is going to make a billion dollars because everybody wants it. It's been something that's yeah. been wanting to come back. It's been, what, 10 years since the last game. When's the last time they made a Star Wars game with the original trilogy characters, legacy characters, where you're going okay. through from episode one to nine? You know, can you imagine how dope that would be as an open world game? I'm trying to think you know, the last where, game they where, made like where, that where, was Revenge of the Sith, but that wasn't open world. The last? Really. Yeah, that, that, that was probably like the last, I mean, I mean episode-wise, but I'm saying, imagine like you have the nine episodes, you, you play them, but within the episodes, I'm sure there's side missions. Mm. I'm sure there's, you know, a little public. Yeah, the last? That'd be kind of dope. I'd buy it. I'd spend the $60 to get it. <laughs> like, yeah, the last the the last game, yeah, it probably was Revenge of the Sith where you play straight away. It's, the last games that I can think of personally are yeah, the, Clone the Wars Revenge game. of the Sith game, the Clone Wars game, the Obi-Wan game you play yeah, through episode on one. You play through, yeah, on Xbox you play through pre-Phantom Menace to the end of Phantom Menace. Yes. Um, and that's about it. Like we don't have any type of. I mean, the last. Oh, and, 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 um, and the last Star Wars game was the Nin- Super Nintendo game for the original trilogy. Fire. Oh yeah, fire yeah. games. But yeah, oh, those games were freaking great. And, and, and I mean, look, I, I still play. Look, I, I play. I haven't played Commando yet on PS4, even though I have that one. Ooh. Um, I haven't played. Yeah, I have that. I have the dual pack. I have Star Wars Racer and Commando. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, um, and then obviously I have Rogue Squadron on 64 and Shadows of the Empire. So mm-hmm. there we go. Shadow, Shadows of the Empire is another one. Like, I mean, again, we love those games. And, and yeah. Shadows of the Empire was very much an original story. Oh, you know, man, don't uh, get me Dash started. Rendar. So, like, yeah, I, I know how much you love Dash Rendar, Chris. So can you imagine, like, <laughs> and but think about this, though. Think about this, though. Nine episodes. In between the episodes, you get the Shadows of the Empire story in it as well. You tell that little nugget. And then you get, let, let's say they want to retweak it just to throw some legacy story in there. You know, the Force Unleashed, like, uh, story in there a little bit. Use mm-hmm. that and regret kind of a little bit. How about in between episodes six and, or excuse me, uh, six and seven, how, retcon some story, add it in there. Like, how dope would that be? Like, well, honestly, uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ben, here's my... Oh, I was gonna say here's say. here's here's kind of my oh <laughs> sorry ahead. Chris we we both we're, we're so excited talking about this gaming stuff you you go first all right here's the thing all right so I'm I'm um liking this to what Assassin's Creed is doing all right because what Millen's saying is great but this would take like 25 years but all the stuff he's putting in here this would be on Xbox uh, be, dude. like this would be I, on I, PlayStation I, Seven I buy a new system because of it this would be a PlayStation Seven game um. But basically, what you could do is Assassin's Creed is essentially revamping the way they're releasing their content. They're doing something called Assassin's Creed Infinity, I believe, which is essentially a platform, like a hub, where they will continually add new Assassin's Creed games, but they're kind of interlinked in this hub uh, interface, and everything kind of continues, and there's like little smaller games inside between the bigger games and all that sort of thing. So I'm thinking like maybe something like Star Wars could do something like that. Like they could start off like the initial release of like the Star Wars Unlimited game or something. They released the original, the prequel trilogy, right? Boom. And then, t- and then a year later, they released like something in the dark times that attaches to that. Like they could use this. Basically what they would do is they would have a single game engine created where they could just keep adding 
like stuff more rapidly because everything is on the same game engine. So they could just be like, okay, episodes one through three are going to be the official launch of this platform. The next year we're going to add this. The year after that, and it'll just kind of continue. And I could see maybe if they were able to figure something out, but it would require a lot of developers. Like you would have to have like uh, an FPS, like a first-person shooter developer on this thing. You would have to have like a flight combat person like the people like from motive that did squadrons maybe and they're doing the vehicle it would be a huge endeavor <laughs> you'd have like basically an entire publisher like having all the different arms of okay this developer doing it it would be awesome and i would love to see it um but there's my idea ben <laughs> we'll see what i was thinking is so i'm just adding up some potential like what the profits would be so <laughs> I think what they should do, I think what they should do personally is, so let's just say we have we have 11 movies in the saga, plus, say, the Clone Wars, that'd be 12, plus, we'll throw in Shadows of the Empire, 13, um, and then we'll throw in, I don't know, let's just say Republic Commando era type thing. So, let's just say you're looking at, like, a profit, so... Okay, so what I'm thinking is they should they should do like you said, Chris, something like a Star Wars unlim unlimited thing. But I would say do it this way: release it in waves over a potential like five year span or something, four year span, and do do it like kind of Fortnite does with seasons. Do the first release, Episode One, The Phantom Menace, say twenty bucks. Second release in six months, twenty bucks. So then every year you're paying basically forty dollars like a game you would get every year or whatever, you know, you pay 10, 20 bucks and you get the new, the new game. So it's like, it's incentivizing them to make the game versus you paying like a one-time charge. And then it's incentivizing us. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, we can save up 20 bucks over the next six months for the next release, you know? So like, I think they could do it that way by making it almost a seasonal type thing, like every six months or so release one quote unquote movie game and just do it that way. Because then mm -hmm. it's like, it makes the game feel fresh mm -hmm. and it makes people get excited and hyped because I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when Fortnite has their new season, like that's all you see trending on social media still. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, that could be star Wars, like every five, six months. Yeah. Boom. Star Wars is releasing a new quote unquote season. And it's a new game. Yeah, I don't I don't even play Fortnite. And a lot of my friends who are happily married and got children <laughs> take time to play that. And, and I bring Whoa. it up to make a point because these men and women, again, I got my, my boys, their wives, and their sister that play Fortnite. And they're always trying to get me to play. And I'm like, I ain't about that Fortnite life. But Have they say how much they love it. And I, and so I'm much better it, now. Never, never was into it. Never was into it. And... Um, <laughs> They they tell me how much they really get into it, and they say like, "Oh, we're so hyped to get like the new like acts that come out or expansions oh, yeah, or characters." Yeah, yeah. I mean, they spend money, uh -huh. yeah. And I, I think obviously if that model is working, in a sense of you know, I'll take Chris's idea with the best of of, of, uh, of Ben's idea, like that that would be dope. I'd, I'd pay for it. I'd get uh, uh, the PlayStation Five. That means I have to. To get that because I, I, I no I, I plan on getting a PS5 when NCAA is coming out like that's uh, what I'm getting one yeah you know I'm saying like because I then they'll finally have them in stock there we go you know what I'm saying like, <laughs> maybe you'll be I'll able buy, to walk I'll into I'll a Best Buy and buy one for once <laughs> yeah. but that but that that's why like I've been lacking on gaming over the past like year because I feel like 
whether it was Star Wars or or even that like in that model, they really haven't been like very creative. You know what I'm saying? When it comes to that, like we were all looking forward to 1313 when that was supposed to that was being marketed one. Yeah. That, that game would have been so fire. And and you guys, you guys know exactly how I feel about gaming since Star Wars took it over, or excuse me, since Disney whatever took it over. It's been lacking, in my opinion. They've had a couple hits, but it hasn't been, you know, the greatest. Well, Here's the thing, Milton, like talking about like this Star Wars gaming stuff, the closest thing I think we're going to get to a, obviously we have Fallen Order coming out here, here soon, but I think the closest thing we're going to get to the open world Star Wars game, of course we had the Lego game, but Chris, I know you and me have talked extensively about it, but man, I'm so hyped for the Starfield game because that game, it's like, it's a sci-fi open world, hundreds of planets and stuff. And like, That's like the closest thing we're going to get to Star Wars mm-hmm. open world game right. until the actual open world Star Wars game. Because I think they said, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, like there's like seven or eight hundred planets you can explore on that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like you can design your own ship, uh-huh. all this stuff. <laughs> like that's the closest thing we're going to get to Star Wars gaming. Obviously, it's not Star Wars, but that's going to be the closest feel we get to open world Star Wars. And that's why I'm so hyped for that game. Because it's like I literally just talked to my cousin about this earlier in the week. I was like, dude. I can't wait for that game because, like, sure, I literally told him, sure, it's not Star Wars, but in the back of my head, I'm going to be thinking, hey, this is a Star Wars game I'm in just because it's, like, it's sci-fi, it's, like, open world, and, like, I'm so excited for that game. And it's, like, that could be us getting hyped, but times a thousand if it was actually a Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So there you go. Sound off in the comments. Give us tweets after the fact. Tweet at us. Send us email, elderroomtransmission at gmail.com. What are your ideas for a Star Wars game that you've had spinning around in your head for a while? We want to hear your ideas. We want to see your ideas in the chat or otherwise. So getting into it, getting into it, guys. This is something that just popped up, Ben. You alerted me of this. We have this, this I don't know if it's, if, if it's from an article, but I have an image that it's floating around here. Um, it's about upcoming release dates in 2025. Right. There's there's a bevy of release dates, um, starting with Fantastic Four. Um, and we all we end all the way up at the end of this list for 2025 at 12, 19, 25, December 19th, 2025. Disney is slated to have an untitled Star Wars movie. We've been tricked before. These things can change. But this would line up to what we've been hearing in the rumor mill about a certain uh, what's his name? David, 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 uh, David Lindelof. David Lindelof's film, the guy of lost fame of Watchmen on HBO fame, his movie um, that we've been hearing about uh, could be a post with uh, The Rise of Skywalker. So, Milton, thoughts on maybe actually having a date on this thing and maybe having a, a movie to look forward to? Look, I don't believe nothing until I get yeah. tangible proof. Yeah. I mean, look, with, with and, that's, and that's not me being like negative. It's the fact that, like, you know, how many times have whether it's DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Disney, whomever would say, oh, we got this late, and then boom, nothing. I mean, hell, we're still waiting to hear about Ryan Johnson's trilogy. But we're still waiting to hear about those writers from Game of Thrones and their trilogy of movies. Um, you know, we were talking about Rogue One, or excuse me, Rogue Squadron with Patty Jenkins. That's still, you know, up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't believe nothing until I actually get a title actual confirmed release date from the, the the horse's mouth itself so i mean we'll see i mean it's it's been a minute i mean i know what the last movie that came out for star wars was what 20 
2019? Yeah. 2019. So it's been, what, almost three, four years going on. So, I mean, like, I think it's due. I think I think seven six years, years will be. Right? What was six, it? Would it be six years? Yeah, six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, be like five so, or six years. So I think at that point, I think the audience will be ready for a new that, movie. I mean, now. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I would say that's a significant amount of time. We're closer to almost the gap we had between uh, Revenge of the Sith and Force Awakens, which was a 10-year gap. Right. So we're closer to a 10-year gap. And, you know, we've been saying this, like, it wasn't as magical going, let's say, to a solo Star Wars story premiere or the Rise of Skywalker premiere because nothing compares to The Force Awakens. But um, what could ever get back to that level of hype would be if you have a time in between to reminisce about the good times and nostalgia of, uh, you know, going to the Toys R Us's and waiting for the new toys for the new movie because it's been 10 years, a decade, that sort of thing. So this movie could really pop off. And I could see this thing, especially, especially if this is taking place in a brand new time period that's far flung from anything else. I think the uniqueness of a new era of Star Wars storytelling. Now we have heard this might be a post The Rise of Skywalker. We'll see. But, um, yeah, this could bode well for Star Wars. I mean, that wasn't their ideal plan. They wanted to have, like, one movie a year at one point, or maybe two a year at one point, maybe ratcheted up to that degree. That's what they were testing with Last Jedi and Solo being so close together. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, look, I think... let's, let, let's hope that... I'm sorry to interrupt, Ben, but let's hope... Oh, like, you're good. Whatever movie that they decide to make... Is going to be something that we all want to see. You know, I think I think at this point, you know, Star Wars fans are very, you know, cynical and you know, as we should. I mean, we do feel kind of burned in some ways, but I'm hoping that whatever Kathleen and her team decides to, that they're going to make is going to be something that's universally loved and that is going to be needed for the Star Wars you know universe. Yeah, I think I think with this movie, I have. You know, well, then then again, Milton. I mean, I I kind of I kind of chuckled when you said, in, you know, until we hear it from the horse's mouth. But the thing is, the horse has told us things many times, and still, still, they they never happened. Um, but uh, but no, like on a on a like serious note, I think though, when it comes to this movie, I think it. I don't want to like put a, a bunch of faith into it, but I think it'll happen. I think. I think it'll be, if not December 19th, it might be December 13th, like a week before the 12th or whatever. Because my thing with it is, you know, even setting, even, uh, okay, so, you know, like we mentioned, we've heard different things about the Lindelof project. And my thing is, all right, so rewind a couple months ago. We had that article from Deadline or Hollywood Reporter come out on like a Monday talking about how it was like a Monday morning, how basically, and you know, this was all right around when Bob Iger came back to Disney. So like, keep all that in mind as, as well as I'm, as I'm breaking this down. So, you know, we had this article come out basically saying the the Disney folks told Lucasfilm and Kathy to like, Hey, don't announce movies until you 100% like, know, you know, they're coming. And then the next day, we hear we get the article from what either either of the two like deadline or hollywood reporter you know talking about the lindelof movie so to me it's like i think a lot of this stuff you know we 
We, of course, are skeptics as Star Wars fans, and rightfully so. We've been burned so many times. But my thing is, like, post, like, if you think about it, post that article from a couple months ago, like, the only thing really in terms of Star Wars movies we've heard about is the Lindelof movie for the most part. And, you know, now we have this date, the December 19th date. So my thing is, I think this probably is trending in that direction to potentially be that movie. And I would say I'm more positive than not, just because kind of you have that basis of like some of those reports saying like, hey, only announce like movies that you're pretty sure are hack are going to happen or, or are going to release at some point. So like, I think that's, yeah, I think, I think this movie is our best chance we've had at a movie in a really, really long time. Yeah, so we'll keep our eyes peeled. Um, maybe a Star Wars celebration less than three months in April. They would well, hopefully oh, announce that. that. That's one more thing I want to throw out there, too. So so if we think about it this way, Celebration, I, we talked about it briefly before we hopped on this show. So Celebration is here in a couple months. And normally for a movie, like in terms of marketing, in terms of production, in terms of uh, you know post-production, everything... You're talking like in total to release date, it's like a year and a half or so. You know, like I told you you and Milton before the call, what's what's basically 18 months after celebration, December 19th, 2025. So mm-hmm. it's just like I just feel like we're getting we're getting we're getting into that range where it it, it has to be accurate, I think. But yeah, we hear yeah. this, yeah. So hey, we'll we'll look forward to that. Yeah. Um <laughs> We're looking forward to things, but we're also reviewing things. As I mentioned off the top, we're talking about the Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 4, titled Faster. Are you guys ready to get into this one or what? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Greatest Star Wars show ever. All right. So how what happens in this episode what happens in a, sorry because distracted but anyway getting into this episode we have a little side adventure with omega with tech with wrecker they go along with our old power favorite person our mascot of outer rim transmission if you will sid the trandoshan there of lord mantel they take her on this mission to go and basically get money from a race or something like that she ends up getting captured they end up having to get destroyed that ends up getting destroyed so it ends up being tech that gets into the racer and wins the day to freer freer and that's basically the mission so i'll start my opening salvo on this mission look great like this episode um the sound effects the cinematic style the homage to the phantom menace was really good really fun and uh you know that that's mainly the the the, the great thing about this show is that they do push um what's able to be done on a small screen for animation you could hold this show up to anything um released on the big screen from pixar or anything and it would be like yeah this is the same quality but we're getting it on the tv on a weekly basis in 2023 which is just just so cool so from that perspective i like that i like the i like the world building that there's these things called riot racers and they're you know kind of akin to pod racing or swoop racing one or the other and i did like that there's just a ton of different alien diversity in this episode different racers lots of cool different droids just a bunch of fun elements in here um but that's kind of where my positives leave off because this episode just 
again, we're, we're, we're a quarter way through the, the biggest thing I have with this is again, I think we had the same arguments. Uh, season one is just like a little lopsided. Like you have a great, fantastic episode and then you get an episode that kind of just spins its wheels in the mud for a little bit. Um, and you're scratching your head. And I think it's something to be a little bit worried about because we are now a quarter of the way through the season and we still don't even know what the heck the Bad Batch crew proper is doing. Yes, we can surmise the idea of the entire the entire thing is going to be about the Clone Rebellion. We've been getting the good little things with Rampart here and there. We didn't get one in this episode. But it's it's like, all right, I, I understand what the ov- overall scope of this season is going to be. But I would like to get to see what the, the heads behind the Bad Batch are doing. What's Omega's plan? What's... Hunter's plan. Hunter and Echo aren't even in this episode. They're off doing some side jobs somewhere else. Maybe we'll get that perspective next episode. But uh, just to kind of keep my opening salvo shorter here, it's just this over this episode underwhelmed me. I was disappointed. I just feel like we took two steps back where we were really going full speed ahead the last episode. There wasn't really anything to glean from the characters. Sure, we already knew Sid was a sketchy person. I don't think we needed an entire episode to just spell that out even more to us. So, yeah, I mean, just there's it was a very shallow episode for me. Milton, what'd you think of this episode? Well, before I get into it, I feel like this particular episode, like our podcast tonight is going to be a short one because I feel like we're all on the same page. <laughs> um, I have a five word sentence for this. Oh, this this episode was unnecessary. OK, OK, because. I, I, I literally I'm watching the episode and it visually looked great. It mm-hmm. visually looked great. I, I like like you said the homage to the pod racing, you know, swoop bikes, all that stuff. Like that was tight. Okay, like it looks good. Like uh, this is familiar to me. Then I'm thinking, wow, we just had a strong episode three that pushed the story and narrative of the characters that we want to see and that we like. Then you pull this crap again. Like, why are you taking four steps back with three or? Four steps forward, but three steps back. You just threw off the rhythm of the story. Why don't you, they should have put another episode in there to kind of finish up what's going on with Crosshair. Is it Crosshair? Mm-hmm. Crosshair, Crosshair and, Cody. and Cody. Yeah, you know, or at least like tell us another very family-oriented story with the Bad Batch and what's going on with them and trying to get them figured out. Because I believe at the end of episode two, they were leaving what the island, or they leaving that planet after their mission. No, and this is episode four. You're right. We're a quarter of the season in, and we still don't know what the hell is going on. So, this episode was unnecessary. I, I felt this was kind of a filler. It wasn't. It wasn't a great episode. Visually, it looked great. Sound wise, it sounded great. It sounded like Star Wars. It looked like Star Wars. But this episode was not needed. Very fair. Very fair assessment, Milton. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean those are those are like really good points for both of you guys. Um, I think one of my most I'll, I'll start out with the positive side of things first before I get into the um, the more critical side. I think I don't know about you guys, but man, whoever played the villain of this episode, like that voice actor, like was yeah. made to play a villain. Yeah, he was made he was to great. play a villain of a show because like he just nailed it. Like that's everything I'd imagine like a villain sounding like. Mm-hmm. It, you know. He just played it perfectly. I don't know who it was, but hats off to the actor that played the villain in this episode because I, yeah. I, every time he was on screen, my ears were perked up because it was like, this guy like 
commands like the presence of the room basically yeah and i love the um, fact let me interject i love the fact that they chose to do a duitin or whatever like the sequel trilogy design like that they are cool like imposing alien race uh species whatever and then in fact they had his goons with him he had like the gamorian with the with the blaster i, I loved like that little crew and i yep. could see them almost being like the pseudo allies especially at the the end of the episode like giving them like a nice little warning like i could see like them teaming up at least at some point but go on ben yeah, I, I hope so, because I, I really, really like that villain a lot. Um, And then, you know, of course, like you mentioned, Chris, like the allusions to Phantom Menace were, were cool and everything. And then the um the visuals, the visuals are always on point. Like, you you can't knock this show on visual, visuals whatsoever. Like, it's it's beautiful visuals. It's great. Um, And to me, you know, like you said, that's pretty much where our positive talk stops about this episode. Because it's another side mission. And to me, it's like my favorite character of the show is overall is Omega. And it's like they're just kind of like messing her character up where it's like they're not having her progress anymore. It's like kind of just like I understand she's still like 14, 15 or whatever. But she I, I um, agree. But I but she that. should she should be maturing some like like she shouldn't be like, you know, she should still have some young tendencies to her, of course. But still, you know what I you know what I mean, Milton. Like she should listen. There's no be, way she said because literally, I thought the same thing. I'm thinking, why the hell would they let her talk and put <laughs> Sid in that situation? Because if I'm Sid, I'm I'm yoke I'm yoking her up. Like stop talking. There, yeah. There's no like. Oh, we gotta help Sid. Or, I'm like, no. Let, let her yeah. go. She's been playing y'all the whole time. And I will say, and I've been. I'll let you finish. I will say probably the best thing about this episode was the villain because even at the end when he didn't let old boy shoot them he said you know what uh, you know that was loyalty blah 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 he's like but she ain't gonna show that so watch your back and i'm thinking about time somebody said it yeah because we yeah. all know sid's kind of sketchy please i hope <laughs> i really hope please please let that be the planting of the seed in the bad batch's head where they're like maybe we should ditch this sid lady eventually yeah like i hope that's what it's leading to i really do um and then yeah, so that's that's kind of like where my positive points of this episode stop, though. But to me, the negative points are obviously all the, the points that you both mentioned. But I'm at a point, this may sound like blasphemous or something, but I'm at a point, I'm just doing the whole Pontius Pilate, washing my hands of the whole thing. Like, what? I, I think Dave Filoni shouldn't be doing this show anymore. I don't. I don't think, I think he needs to just let somebody else do it. And let them tell their own story. Because, like, I'm at a point, I think Dave is stretched too thin. Like, I'm going to give my uh, bullet point ideas for you guys to handle. And then I'm going to handle Ahsoka and the Mandalorian live action shows. I'm at a point, like, I just don't think, I just think, because Dave shouldn't do everything. Like, no creator should do everything, in my opinion. Like, I don't care what franchise it is. Marvel, DC, whatever. Like, I don't think one creator should have such a big influence. And I'm at a point, like... It's hurting the quality of the show just to have like his name stamped on it. And to me, it's like, I think they just need to let someone else to handle the show altogether. Like if they do, if they somehow do a season three of this show, like, I just don't think Dave should, should be involved. Just let someone else do it. Let them tell their own story because we had other people tell stories in Star Wars before. JJ told a fine story in Force Awakens. Like we've had, and John Favreau, I mean, John Favreau wrote so much of the Mandalorian. Like he knows how to tell stories. 
Like, let somebody else do the Bad Batch. Like, there's hell. Like, to me, um, if you're going to do animation stuff, bring in Gendy Tarkovsky. Have him come in and do Bad Batch. Like, <laughs> like just anybody. Like, I'm just done with Dave being involved with this show because I think it's hurting the quality because it's stretching it thin. So, like, you know, he's putting in a good effort on Ahsoka and The Mandalorian and Book of Bo- Well, Book of Boba Book of Boba is what is what it was. But then it's like, it's kind of like, is he just stretching the quality thin on the Bad Batch? There's 16 episodes. And it's clear Dave still has the quality in him because the Tales of the Jedi show was amazing. We all loved it. So to me, it's like, is this kind of your, um, you know, like you mentioned, Milton, about Ryan Johnson. Is this kind of your, you know, really smart kid just not studying and putting in the effort on one show? And I think that's what we're getting with this show. Yeah, I hate yeah, this break. Episode, yeah, go ahead, Milton. Notice this episode I'll never watch again. Yeah, I also said the same thing. I said I'm there's no reason to really watch it. <laughs> there's, there's, no, yep. there, there, there's no reason to even entertain it because it does nothing to move the narrative. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And and, and pretty much it, it pretty much something that you complained about last year, Ben. And I'm Chris, you might have been on the same train with him, but um like uh, not Ahsoka, um Omega, her growth. Like and I know yeah. you said Omega is your favorite character, right, Ben? And yeah, and I don't, I don't like her growth so far. But, it's, but, it's, but her growth, but her growth has been just god awful. It's both, it's been both horrible and awful, aka horror awful, especially <laughs> like the, with, with the same episode because it's like, what are you doing? Like, honest to God, you had such a good episode three, build off of that, and then come back with something like this. Don't sit there and like it's it's like they it's like you they 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 get us to a point where they're like, oh we're gonna pull them in, stop, pull them in, stop, stop doing that. It's like just stop with that. Keep telling the story. And it's again, I'm gonna use a wrestling analogy. Anytime you have the 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 pay per view creme de la creme match of the pay per view, you have a whole bunch of good matches. And then before you get the crowd hyped up, then you do that let me up match where it's kind of like, oh, it's okay, match. Let's get the crowd down so we can get them hyped up. We haven't even been there yet. We have not once been built up to where we're so excited to say, oh, my God, I got to see the next episode. Then let us come down. We haven't even done that yet. It's been just this weird roller coaster where it's like, okay, I don't know how, how to feel about the show. Yeah, so well, that was like, that was like, you know, like you said with your wrestling analogies, that was like back in this last year i mean i think it was like wrestlemania or whatever it was like you know you had like pat mcafee like fighting around with austin theory and then stone cold comes out like you know it builds up and builds up and builds up to that like hype like and this show it like has hype and then it literally just looks at a cliff and says let's go 100 mile an hour and drive off of it like i just don't get it yeah as far as uh your previous statement ben I never got the idea that Dave Filoni was ever really that involved with this with this show. I think it was like the same thing with Star Wars Resistance, where he kind of like sketched like the idea, like, "Hey, I have an idea for a show. Um, here, if you want to write this, go ahead. Here's my like real basic draft of it. Have fun with it, and just fill in the blanks." I I feel like that's the case because I got the idea that at, at Celebration because I think he like introduced like Corbett and Brad Rao, the writers. And then he like walked off the stage. Like it wasn't like about him at all. So that's why I really okay. got the feeling where it's like you might think he stretches, but I really don't think he has much of a much of like a direction because he is so busy with the other things at this point. Yeah. So he can't be everywhere. You're getting, and I agree. My, you're getting my point though. If he was, if he was, he shouldn't be. 
that that was my mm-hmm. point you know mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that made that makes more sense than yeah okay so like then if anything let me re-amend my statement then like they need to definitely reassess who's working on the show like not not calling for anybody's jobs or anything because it is an animated show and not a live action whatever but like they definitely need to like either reassess the consult with the story group more maybe or just i don't know just something like because to me it's just wild like not even comparing to live action it's wild the quality quality difference between this and tales of the jedi like it's just it's just two different stratospheres x and and here's the thing i was i was the biggest rider of most of the animation except for resistance and obviously some of this show and I've always said the animation for Star Wars have been pretty consistently good. I've always Rebels. been on the train. Rebels, like I've always been on the train, especially that first two seasons of Rebels. I was like, that's a masterpiece when it comes to like writing animation. And then it's like mm-hmm. again, like they, they they get in these weird funks. I'm thinking, okay, hey, I mean, who am I? I mean, I have to trust these people, and hopefully, the show gets consistently better. I just but right now, I, I only watch I only like one episode of four, and that's sad. Yeah, it's just it's interesting. Um... Because we know they take forever to, like, make animation, right? Isn't it, like, a two- or three-year leadway from, like, when they do the voice acting to when it actually comes out? It's a long time. It's usually longer than even live action. So, so they, uh, by the time they were doing season two, like, season one probably wasn't even out yet, honestly. So they probably yeah. didn't get any feedback at all from, like, external, like, audiences of, like, how they enjoyed season one. So they just assumed that people were enjoying season one. So if anything, I don't think, unless it gets a season three, and I'm trepidatious right. well, my thing that, is, though, that's well, happening. You're honest, I mean, look, you, I'm just saying, you're telling me if we were writers in that room or creators, True. If, we knew, if, we knew, if we knew Dave like that, we're sitting there and, and somehow we're in the meeting someone says hey man i got a story an episode an idea for an episode four i'm like okay what is it and we get this particular idea i know i'm gonna say you know we just wrote a strong episode three why don't we just continue off that story and then we can put this episode like somewhere at the late of the season just okay. get people like relaxed and hyped up for the last quarter of the season because I, I question this i'm like this makes no sense what narrative why what, what is this doing i think uh, the way I, th- I think the way you make this episode work, like say if we're like in a if we're, if we're sitting there at the the writers' room for this show, I think the way you make it work is you have to have some connective tissue. Like, sure, let's just say we keep the same Sid mission, whatever, but you have to have some connective tissue to the bigger story. Like, I don't know, have have an old old clone trooper there, like someone we don't even know, just yeah. clone trooper one, two, three, four, five. Like, just some old clone trooper there, and maybe the Bad Batch recognizes him as a clone trooper, and, you know, it's like your old... Kind of like the guy that was on the farm before. Um, oh, yeah, 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 You know, kind of like... Cut. It kind of... Something like that. Like, maybe maybe have something like that. Maybe have an old clone trooper there, so it's a connective tissue. Or maybe have um, the bad guy at the end... Like, of course, we all know Sid's sketchy, but maybe have the bad guy at the end have a connection... I don't know to the empire or like like so, you have to have some type of connective tissue. This episode, there's not even anything to look on to go. Oh man, maybe maybe there's this or that. There, there's nothing. Yeah, I agree with that. So this is what I was actually thinking was going to happen because whenever a guy blocked him from shooting him and he said what he said about you know Sid, I was thinking he was going to then like do like a, at the end of the scene or end of the episode where like he would call on his communicator and say hey. I spotted these clones, you know, yeah. whatever, like, hit my contact up in the Empire. 
know, like I was thinking he was going to do something like that. Or what they could have done is, you know, cut away from like the characters throughout the episode to some like shadowy figure watching them the whole time. Mm-hmm. You no, know, because and again, the the, the race because I mean the guy kept saying you know tech and this who's this tech guy like when their announcer is making fun of him yeah i'm thinking well someone has to hear this name mm-hmm. someone has to you know be in the crowd from the empire like i'm sure the empire knows about these races i'm sure they yeah. know about this clone force 99 so if they're hearing his name oh my god that's one of the 99 clones let me hit my boy up real quick like mm-hmm. let me well, call the empire like they, 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 they could have tied it into that here's something for you why not just pull a, a boba fett from mandalorian where you have the um so so like go with your shadowy figure idea and you know we technically don't know how much time passed between episode three and episode four of this show oh yeah. so why not just have why not just have the shadowy figure be commander cody because you know obviously he would have heard about the bad batch while he worked for the empire why not have him kind of tracking the guys down Uh. in the background and then us as an audience, I don't know, see like part of his glove where you're like, oh shit, that's Cody or something, you know, at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could do something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. there's plenty of ideas that they could have done, but they chose to go the direction they went. Yeah. So, you know, we could, we could be here for a while yeah. just, you know, talking about ways it can get better, ways it could have been different. Um, but, you know, until we know next week, we'll see what, what happens. But, um, you know, if the episodes continue to be be like this, then don't don't expect, you know, hour two hour long reviews on the channel about these episodes because, frankly, uh, if we're not giving much to talk about, we'll we'll just talk about something else for a greater amount of time. And uh, I mean that's a, uh, that's as fair as I want to make it because I mean if if it's pretty shallow, we're not going to be able to to glean a lot from it. And, and you know it's fun to watch, but I'm at the point where Star Wars has shown us that they could do really great things in animation. They've done it in this very season. Yep. So I know it's got potential. Um, and that's just the frustra- yeah, frustrating about it. So I'll just give my score. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. I'm not going to make this a complete failure. Um, because everything else artistically about this is great. And we always keep saying it. It looks great. Sounds great. From a technical perspective, it's leading the charge in animation um it's just a story is really lacking at this point so i can't give it higher than a five out of ten milton um yeah i mean you know what i have to go five out of ten i i think i think that's probably the most fair score i can give you and that's mainly because the way it looks and how it sounded Mm -hmm. Um, i think i think it's fair to say that visually like like this is some of the best animation i've ever seen in my life Mm. It, it keeps getting better Again, the sound is awesome. You know, I, I love what I like tech. I like his character. It was mm-hmm. cool. To, I like seeing tech and, and record just do what they do. I, I think those particular characters are very much who they were and very consistent. I just, this episode was not watchable in the sense of I'll never watch it again. So I'll probably skip this episode if I had to go back and rewatch this. Um, if any of my friends ever asked me, hey, you know what? What episode should I start to watch on Bad Batch? This wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> oh so, yeah, I'll, I'll go five out of ten. I mean, it could have easily been a four point five. All right, five five. Ben, where are you going to land on this one? Yeah, I mean, you know, we we've listed all of our critiques and likes. Like for me, I just think the show. Luckily, hopefully, this is our lowest point of the season. Maybe maybe this is our like our our worst moment of the season. So it, it can only maybe get go up from here. Mm-hmm. I would say, 
Um, but yeah, I just think I just think the show needs to improve in a lot of different departments. But at least the you know the visuals are on point. The uh, the voice actor was really good for the villain in this week. Like I said, I hope I hope uh, maybe they do more with his character or even just his. He's a, just a really good voice actor, so that was cool. Um, and then I don't know. I hope they improve Omega's character. Like I said, she's my favorite character of the series, and it's like man, they keep like. Standing her on the fence of okay, is she gonna be like an effective character, like yep. more toward young young or uh, more told more toward like an upper teenager, like a 16, 17, 18 range where like more mature, or you can have more naivety, like she's like a nine year old or something, like you know, t- too trusting of people, like that sort of stuff. So it's just like what direction are they taking Omega is my question for the series moving forward. And it's just like hopefully they improve her character more and hopefully it's not like more of this balancing act. Um, and then also just the thing as well, like with Sid, of course we're all just annoyed as can be about her character, but I'm tired of her character being the plot device that gets the entire missions into like in, into motion. Like, you know, there should be something else that drives the missions versus Sid basically being the narrator of the episode you know just starting the the show for us like it should be just anything else like i don't know like the guys getting a call from rex or cody or or are just hearing about destruction on another planet like it shouldn't just be sid sending them out on missions because like that's kind of like our generic like you, you know what i mean like narrator giving us the basic intro to the episode like like I don't know. I just I just hope they go away from the model of Sid being the intro of the episode each week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like you said, the episode wasn't wasn't a total disaster. Like the the quality is still there visually and and sound design wise. So I just I gotta agree with you guys. I gotta give it a five out of ten. Well, there you go. So what are your thoughts on the Bad Batch season two so far? Let us know in the comment section down below and always tweet at us and everything else. Uh, We'll go over that information at the end, how to reach us. But finally, we're going to get into another thing to review and discuss and specifically break down. We're talking about The Mandalorian Season 3. I'm calling this the final trailer because they usually only get two trailers. This aired during Monday Night Football in the U.S. First thoughts on this, Ben. Just overall thoughts, uh, reaction. How was your experience watching this? Did you watch it while you're watching the show? Did you watch it on YouTube after the fact? Just kind of walk us through your experience, man. Oh, I'm watching live while watching Monday Night Football. Like it, uh, it's always so exciting. Like for for Star Wars fans and sports fans alike, it's always a nice feeling. Like when the trailers are debuting during something we really like. You know, like I love the NFL. So the fact that like it's consistent star Wars trailers, unless they drop like at a, an event, like a celebration or something like that, or a, a 9 AM random Friday. Like a lot of times these bigger trailers, um, you know, they put them on Monday night football and, uh, you know, it's really cool because the way Monday night football's production does it, you know, for anyone who doesn't know ESPN's owned by Disney. So it's really neat. So like every commercial break for anybody that watched the, the game every commercial break they would go and have basically a you, you know every commercial break you'd hear the mandalorian the dun, 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 like the little the oh, little yeah. mando theme 
for every commercial break. So it was always just really cool just seeing seeing um and hearing like the little mando tunes like leading into the commercial break so like you know them saying oh one more break until till uh till the mando trailer one more break one more break you know it's so it's so cool just oh. hearing hearing like the football people talk about it like that like getting excited to see <laughs> the trailer as well and then of course like my initial reaction to it was like I was just so hyped about it, and also you know it brings back memories. Like the Rise of Skywalker trailer premiered on a Monday Night Football game, like you know the the final one for that one did as well, and that was so hyped because you had the the Phantom Menace, the Duel of the Fates on that trailer. So like you know you have um, cool precedents of the trailer getting debuted like that, and the fact they put it on such a big game this week, it was really cool. And uh, yeah, I really really liked the trailer. Like I thought it was really good. Um, of course, you have some like repeat shots, um, as always. That's just the Disney model. But the new shots they gave us were so good, and it just brings up the hype. Like, you know, as, as John Campy always says, like, does it increase your excitement for the show? Yes or no? And yes, so it did its job for me. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm super excited for the show. And like, it's just it's just one of those moments. I know people are excited for the show. Like when I get random texts from people saying. Man, I want I want the Mandalorian to be here right now. Like, yep. you know, you're getting you're getting talk like that. So like you know people are hyped for the show when you hear people say stuff like that. Yeah. So no. those are those are those are my opening thoughts. Yeah, it's really interesting about the the build up um in the breaks and, and like you said, it brings back nostalgia, even though it's only been a couple of years about oh yeah, it's another big Star Wars reveal on a football night. Here we go. Milton, over to you. What were your initial impressions here i didn't get to watch it until i think the next day um mm -hmm. and i will i walk i watched it when i woke up so i didn't really i need to watch it again i ain't gonna lie so i need to absorb it some more so my initial thoughts it looked good it was a good looking trailer yeah i mean look i i, I want to see the show i, I like the show it's really good it hasn't been disappointing it hasn't really been bad at all um i, I like the i like where they're going with it i know that he's meant to he want to go back to mandalore to see and it was cool they, they showed a shot of mandalore that was dope mm. um i guess what it looks like now it was nice to see what the jedi temple was going what was going on in the jedi mm. temple oh yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what what the show's all about I, again the trailer looked good i need to rewatch it again and actually see it and with like my, my eyes being like fully clear because i was not watching it during monday night football because i was already sleeping in bed <laughs> like i'll just keep it real with y'all like I get up every day early, so yep. um, and I had to go to work the next day. So I I wish I would have watched it later that night, but I'm glad I didn't because I do want to go into this season a little more surprised. Um, okay. Because I, I loved how season two ended. Mm. So yeah, I'm hyped for this. I, I'm sure the trailer did its job. For what I saw, it did its job. I'll just go back and rewatch it again. There you go. Yeah. As far as for me. Um, as I was talking in the lead up to this trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, let's not get fooled. You know, the second trailers are never anything like super amazing or spectacular because and, and like like I said, I kind of expected, you know, halfway through the trailer, we're still getting those same shots. It's like, oh, here we go again. This is a, a typical Disney Star Wars trailer, Disney Plus Star Wars trailer. Um, but then it did reveal something um, nice about Coruscant and Jedi and tie interceptors we're going to get into all that I, I i've clipped out a, a couple screenshots we're going to look at here in a few moments we're not going to go over the entire trailer because like i just said half the trailer we had already talked about essentially with the different shots but what i will say is 
this trailer did a good job at establishing expectations of what we can look forward to in this season. Uh, really great dialogue from Din Djarin the Mandalorian himself. I'll recite it word by word here. Um, so basically, he's he's talking about his people. You know, being a Mandalorian is not just learning about how to fight. You have to learn how to navigate the galaxy. That way you'll never be lost. Um, he's also saying our people are scattered like stars in the galaxy. Uh, what are we? What do we stand for? Like, this is very introspective for Din Djarin, who is alone. You know, the, the title of the Mandalorian, like the official synopsis was like a lone gunslinger making his way in the galaxy. Like, this is a guy that just cares about himself, making money. That's it. And now through, you know, season one and two and through Book of Boba Fett, he has completely 180 around. He, he finds his people. They're scattered. And now he's seeming like he's got the mentality of a leader. And could Mando be Mandalore by the end of season three? I think that's a very good possibility. The fact he's going back to uh, the, the world of Mandalore, uh, the world of Mandalore itself, burned in the flames, seeing the past in his hands with helmets and everything else. It's like, wow, this is a Mando that has gone through some character development, and we get to see him as somebody that was just not like a, a guy in a suit that's just like not interesting. Like he's actually, he's building this arc and he's becoming his own person essentially, even though we don't really see his face like 99% of the time. So we got that cool factor there. We're going into the trailer. Okay, we're going to get the re reunification of Mandalore and all the characters that are surviving. Maybe it looks like Bogotan and him, maybe they're not going to, maybe she's not going to be a villain. Maybe they will team up. Paz Vizsla, the armor, all them. Um, but then we also get a little bit of great dialogue. It was great to see um, Carson Teva of the New Republic. Um, he's saying there's something dangerous happening uh, out there. And it's, you know, by the time everybody figures it out, it won't be enough time to act, you know. So there's there's that really cool tease towards like, ooh, you know, he's the one guy that has this feeling there's something going out there. I think he's referring to Thrawn and his secret fleet. Um, so we're getting these two different storylines in this single season of Mandalorian. Maybe something else they're hiding from. Maybe there's a whole other storyline they're hiding from us. They did a great job. Uh, well, maybe not the best job of hiding the characters from last season that we all already knew about. But so far, they're keeping a lid on this this upcoming season very, very tightly. But I was happy to, to kind of bring this up to a close before we get into the single shots here. I was happy to really get a solid direction. I think more so than we've ever gotten from any other like Mandoverse trailer. I don't know if you guys kind of got the same vibe that I did. I mean, he literally says we're going to Mandalore. I'm pretty sure in the trailer, like, he talks about going there. So, like, you know, it, it literally puts a stamp on, like, our speculation. Like, oh, is he is he for sure going to Mandalore, you know? And, you know, so that's definitely happening. And then it also connects to, like, my discovery from, like, a month ago uh, when I was around Christmas time or early December when I was watching Mando Season 2, the Bo-Katan episode, when she talks about, like... um you know, she talks about him like helping her like retake, uh, help help him retake like retake a planet or what. However, she describes it. like whatever dialogue she uses when she first introduces gets gets starts talking with Mando. It's like oh, so like they're they're really talking about like the wider Star Wars 
um, galaxy here. And then, like, even, you know, she talks about a fleet, like, that sort of stuff. Like, so it just makes you wonder what we're going to end up seeing because it's just, it's just like, you know, where are we going with, with these characters? Because, like, obviously, Bo-Katan's going to be a big part of this season, too, just because it's, like, you know, this is a bunch of Mandalore. I'm sure we're going to get other Mandalorians, like, you know, more of those, uh, like, the side ones, you know, we saw in, in Mando Season 2, guys. Like, I can't think of the names, like, the the two, the, the girl that mm-hmm. was with Bo, and, like, you know, we're going to get those other Mandalorians, I'm sure, in this season, and I just, I just can't wait to see it, because I'm sure it's going to be, like, a crazy cool visual. Heck, yeah. So we're going to dive into some of these newer shots that we haven't seen from trailer number one. The first one here is a good establishing shot of just a bunch of Mandalorians walking around on this uh, hilly landscape. Uh, This signifies, hey, they're not going to be always on the volume. Obviously, this is out there, probably in the hills of California. Maybe this is depicting um, the planet Mandalore itself, but it's cool to just see that there's um, there's a crew of Mandalorians just walking around together, you know? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, like I just mentioned, it's gonna be, it's gonna be great getting to see these Mandalorians, like what they're doing here, you know, what, what's taking place. Because I feel like that's gonna be something. It's got to be something like you know them, like I don't know, investigating something on Mandalore. You know, you know what I mean. It's gonna be them, like probably snooping around or, or something along those lines. Just because it's like, you know, what else would they be doing? Because we have to fight. We have to figure out what conflict is on mandalore like you know is it going to be imperials is it going to be like hostiles just taking it or you know it's it, it's got to be there's got to be some type of enemy on mandalore <laughs> for our mandalorians and um and den and bo katan thinking yeah. maybe they'll bring back the death watch oh yeah oh. unless it's actually other mandalorians yeah the death watch that's a good point milton yeah the classic blue hues of the mandalorian armor signifying the there you go. So this next shot here, I feel like every time we revisit Navarro, it gets grander and grander, which is just a, a, such a cool element, right? It's almost like a video game or something. It's like, hey, every time you return to that town, it's leveled up, essentially. And we hear the backstory of Navarro. It's like one of the last holdouts for the Imperials in the war. And we see it in disarray in the first season. In the second season, they like built up like a school and Grogu's learning and stealing cookies from other students. And then this third season, as you see in this shot here, it's full of life, full of characters in the foreground, the background. I feel like they've built up. Unless this is a completely different city, it could be. I'm just assuming this is Navarro since it's where it looks like the same kind of place that he finds Grief Cargo, who is the magistrate of that place. So, yeah, it's pretty neat just seeing the evolution if this is Navarro. You know, I mean, it looks good. I mean, if it is, it looks fire. I mean, I, even like the opening shot or even one of the shots with uh, Groove Cargo, I mean, the, how it looked from the background, it looked pretty dope. So, yeah, it, I assume this is what it is. Yeah, I saw a list earlier in the week, guys. I don't remember if it was from Best Bulletin or somewhere else, but they were talking. It sounds like Carl Weathers is going to be directing another episode this year, too. So I bet you... If he is directing one, it's the Navarro. The Navarro one is probably his episode. I would say, like, you know, he's probably just like leveling up his directing game. If so, and it's probably, I don't know. I feel like with the Navarro episodes, it's got to be something along the lines of like, you know, almost Din's like checkpoint. If that makes sense, you know, it's going to be like, hey, we're here for something, 
And it's going to be, like, kind of that pushing point for the story. Like, hey, like, Din's looking for something, you know. And then, like, Grief is going to be like, hey, go here. You know what I mean? It's like your video game checkpoint. You know what I mean, Chris? Like, it's like something like that, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Next shot here, as Milton said before, we get to see a ruined look at none other than Mandalore. Sundari itself, that big, beautiful oval that was protecting the last remnants of the Mandalorian people after all the wars that devastated the planet into a nuclear holocaust. Um, essentially, I, th- I believe that's the lore. Like, they just had these massive weapons that just, like, destroyed the entire... As you see in, in Rebels and Clone Wars, like, you can see the outside of Sundari. It's like a wasteland. Um, but now it definitely is a wasteland after we see all those TIE bombers in that flashback in the Book of Boba Fett bombing this thing to smithereens. So I'm very curious to see the after effects of what a, a ruined Mandalore looks like. And I'll get into more speculation as we get closer to one of the last shots in here about what could happen to maybe the people of this planet. But yeah, thoughts on this? This is my favorite shot of oh. the whole trailer. I, it's, it's just cool seeing like Mandalore. I mean, it's just, we saw it in the animation, how dope it looked, but see it in live action. I'm curious what it looks like the more intimate scale. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Like that's that's one of my favorite things too about this Milton is like it's kind of like what I mentioned earlier about like oh man that's Ahsoka coming to live action like we can't believe it like you know seeing these certain characters come to Bo Katan come to live action like now we're getting an actual the Man- Mandalore the planet coming to live action like this is like what a time to be a Star Wars fan like whenever I see these like of course the animated projects are cool and everything. But whenever I see these live action projects, it's projects, it's like, guys, like, could you imagine like 10 years ago, they told us we'd be getting animated adaptations of Mandalore, of Bo-Katan, of these characters in live action. Like, it's just, it's so cool seeing like the planet of Mandalore come to life now. Oh, yeah, it's just this, this is the great part about having Dave Filoni at the helm yep. here is he's he's the perfect person to usher in and he know he has the eye he's he's an artist of of course himself so he sees the eye of how he can transition these things which is so beneficial uh to this whole thing all right this next shot here we have a confirmation of at least a visit whether it's a, a short visit or a little bit longer back to tatooine see pelomoto see a pitroid we see the new naboo starfighter of of uh Din Djarin, but the very interesting thing here, I don't know if you guys caught this, so we have none other than the R5 that had the messed up motivator in A New Hope in the docking bay, whatever socket of the Naboo Starfighter, so apparently they removed Grogu's little humble abode seat there, the little glass dome he's in, and they put him there, and I believe we got Grogu that's just going to be sitting on the lap of uh, Mando, so it just begs the question, it's like, hmm, like, why... Why do they need a droid? Okay, what's a droid going to do for the Naboo Starfighter? They're getting somewhere. They need a droid to get the code to go in. Or I don't know, but I mean, there's just a lot of cool things. I'm just happy we're going to go to Tatooine, so I hope we get to see Black Horsan. I hope we get to see Boba Fett kind of catch up with what those guys are doing. I mean, I, honestly, I didn't even care for this scene. I don't remember even seeing that particular robot. Um, so all the stuff you mentioned, I did, again, I looked at this briefly, middle of the night so i must have missed the scene yeah i think i think with this one um there's a good chance of this being 
um, potentially the first episode of the series. I think. Oh. Like, what if you know we we ended off um, Book of Boba Fett with Mando flying off, but what if you know what if there's a, a malfunction with the ship? Like, or I mean, heck, maybe it's not the first episode. Maybe it's two episodes in or three episodes in. You know. Because as we've known from these trailers, like the Book of Boba Fett trailer, for example, uh, we got we covered that trailer, I think, in the first two episodes of yep. the series or maybe three. So like this, this is either episode one or episode two, I would say. Um, and it's probably just going to be because Din's having some type of ship issues. Oh, hey, I mean, Chris, maybe this is a thing. What if it's Carson Teva like fires on Din or something for some reason? Hmm. Um and maybe maybe there's your answer of why why they need a droid, like because it's it's got to be something like that, like the Naboo starfighter gets damaged, um, and then I think her like uh that actress or that woman, I think her saying like may the force be with you, like I think that's the last time we're probably gonna see her in this season. Whenever whenever that scene happens, that's probably the last time we we go to Tatooine. But like you mentioned, there's probably a good chance we get a Boba Fett visit as well in this show mm-hmm. um, just because it's going to probably mirror the book of Boba Fett a little bit. I doubt they'll commit two episodes to Tatooine. I really doubt that, but I think it'll be at least one. Yeah. Yeah. At least just a little bit to tie things in to the book of yep. Boba Fett. All right. That's the money shot. Everybody. This is the shot that got me to sit up in my seat as I was watching this trailer. I wanted to see if the rumors were true. We had heard from the Brazilian comic con that they had seen glimpses of what could have been Coruscant. And I don't think you could say a city like this and say it's not Coruscant because this looks exactly like the Coruscant that we've seen at the end of Return of the Jedi, that big celebration there. This this shot really reminds me of like, oh yeah, you've seen the statue of Palpatine falling. Of course, we've seen some nighttime shots in the prequels of Coruscant, but I went right to Return of the Jedi because that's the era that this is in. And I just got super excited. We're in the middle of a Coruscant renaissance here, everybody. Whether it be Tales of the Jedi, whether it be uh, Andor, whether it be the upcoming episode for the Bad Batch. Now this, we had a little bit of a shot in in Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's like Lucasfilm has heard the pleas and the cries of the fans across the galaxy saying, we want to see Coruscant. And well, they've gave us a large heaping of that over the last year or so. So I'm so excited uh to see where this goes because there's so much potential i mean all of us have read the aftermath trilogy the last we heard of coruscant in this era is it's a desolate wasteland as we know the decommissioned the republic or, or the rebellion army at this point they don't even have a base on coruscant everything is now on where is it um hosnian prime i think hosnian prime. or, or shangrilla it's either Shandrilla at this point or it could be Hosnian Prime by now. One of the two. The capital is no longer on Coruscant. So I'm just very curious to see like what kind of individuals are here. Uh, if the government's not here, that means this place is probably even rowdier than it was before. Not just to the lower levels, maybe everywhere. Um, looking at the next shot here will give us more of an idea. We have the scientist from... Both seasons of the Mandalorian, like the same guy that wanted the blood of Grogu, Doctor Pershing, the one with the Camino patch on his arm, is in one of these classic speeders that we've seen plenty of times in the prequel trilogy. So, uh, Milton, just tell me your thoughts on on seeing a familiar location that I know you've been 
also uh, excited to see in this era of Star Wars. No, I mean, it's always nice to get this planet. I've been saying it forever. They should have been putting this in the sequel trilogy. I mean, because it's a planet that's universally loved. I don't know anyone that likes Star Wars that would say that Coruscant's garbage. You know, and for us to get a planet, I mean, look, I love every time, every time for Andor, when we were on this planet, I was stuck to the TV. It was always the best part of the storytelling. Yep. <laughs> um, so, like, with, with this, I mean, like, Coruscant ain't no garbage-ass planet. Like, it's an important planet to Star Wars. So, you, ha you have to make it important throughout your whole entire series because that's yeah. the center of the universe it's still at this point. Ben? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you have to... See, I think part of it, too, you know, like you mentioned, Milton, the lack of Coruscant with the sequels. Uh, I think... I think some of this stuff has to be like fan feedback. Like, of course, you know, Dave, Dave and John, I feel like they know they have a general idea of like, you know, they can they can read the room for all intents and purposes <laughs> on the fandom, I would say. And I think they read the room on that feedback and they were probably like, we need some type of planet for for whatever our story is. And Coruscant fit the mold for that storyline. So, or whatever overall storyline they're telling here, I mean, we'll get into a little bit more of the Coruscant stuff here in a bit. And like, I think with that, I think that's what made them decide to put that in there. It just has to be feedback. And then of course you mentioned Chris, like with some of the, um, like the way the planet is now compared to where it was then, um, like back during its prime years, like it's going to be really interesting to see for one, obviously what's going on there. And for two though, what's, What's the reason Den and Grogu are going, are potentially going to be there, or potentially be involved on that planet? Yeah, I mean, Doctor Pershing, we we think he's going to be connected to maybe some cloning, obviously with the Camino patch. Uh, it was very interesting. So I was going back and I was watching for one of the season, the, the season two episode called "The Siege" today. I was doing, I was doing some research for Star Wars Legion. I was looking up uh, characters in the background for shore troopers. I was like. Oh, are they part of the Re Imperial Remnant? It had something to do with like a question I was doing on a Legion form. Anyway, um, so I was watching the episode and it got to the point where they showed like the creature thing in the tank um, at that outpost. And I was listening to the dialogue extra closely and they're like, oh, the blood doesn't is not taking to this particular organic body. Um, we have to figure something else out. I'm just like, oh my gosh, if this is not Snoke, then I don't know what the hell this is. Like, there's so much interesting stuff about that scene from season two with, like, whatever the heck that experiment in the tank was and, and the Grogu's blood and all that kind of thing. So, I mean, his, the, we've seen it, the, the first trailer of Dr. Person. He's walking with somebody else through, like, this hallway. I was like, oh, is this, is this the Mount Tantus factory or something like that? But he's going to Coruscant now. May, oh, I, I, maybe he's going to go and he's going to find the Zillow Beast from the Clone Wars. <laughs> he's going to draw blood from the Zillow Beast and make some crazy concoction. I don't know. But that, that, that thing has to come up eventually. But no, seriously, I think it's, um, it's interesting. And I like the kind of vibes it gives off like this um, espionage kind of like behind closed doors like dealings like on this planet you know yeah i mean oh, yeah. look i like this character i mean i i think i'm gonna like this character as we see him in this season hopefully he's more interesting i think i think he will be more interesting more interesting i think we'll flush him out more 
yeah. yeah. He he has like he has like to me it's like the likability of um why am I blanking on Jin's dad? She, he has the likability of him. Like like Galen Urso. Yeah. Um, wow. It's kind of like that situation where he seems like he's like a nice... Like, I don't know. Like, the actor that's playing Dr. Pershing is doing a really good job. Like, like whenever he's on screen, it's like you're always listening to what he's having to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm talking about Coruscant and the overall scope of The Mandalorian. I'm digging this because, okay, season one... You know, it was a great show as far as like what it did with pushing the boundaries of what we know as like making really cinematic style TV uh, that would look like the quality of the movies because of volume and all that. You know, in season two, it it kind of increases that. You got the stuff that's awesome with the um the big sandworm, the big thing in the beginning, um, not the Sarlacc pit, um, the crate dragon, like that that stuff was amazing. The scale increased. You're dealing with the town and all that. I mean, season three, they're dealing with Koen of Coruscant. So, so you look at those adventures of the small time adventures where you had like a couple people in like one episode. And now we're looking at this future season of Mando and, and it really, the world has completely opened up to this show. That's what I like about it is that at first it seems insignificant. Oh, you're just following this little Mandalorian. He's just going around the galaxy trying to make a living. Now we're dealing with like almost the fate of the entire galaxy. If if what we think is going to happen is going to happen with this drawn conflict and every everything else. Now the empire, there's a lot bigger of an empire. It's not this little imperial remnant. There's word of all this other stuff happening. This Mandalorian uh, uh, civil war that could possibly happening if Bo-Katan goes against Din Djarin. So I'm really liking the care and the detail and the buildup. Um, and the ratcheting up of the tension that that Dave and John have done, and I can't help but wonder, like, oh, no wonder why this show took like two and a half years to come out. They've probably been just working on the visual effects for how good Coruscant looks right now. I mean, come on, it looks just as good as the movies. You got all the sky car traffic, the lights. Like, I can't imagine how long it takes for them to, to make this and how much money it must have costed. You know, gonna be fire. Oh yeah, I can't. I can't wait. It's gonna be like that's one thing. I, you know, we're always locked into the Mandalorian, of course, or any of the, li- especially the live action shows. You're always locked into the episodes. But this is the one episode for sure, or probably multi episode. Like these are the the Coruscant ones. You know, we'll be really locked into. Like, you know, the Tatooine one. Sure, we'd be like, oh, you know, maybe glance down at your phone when they're walking on a sand dune yeah. or something. Like the Coruscant ones you're going to be locked into, I would say. Yeah. Here we go. We have Carson Teva. I'm liking how this guy is getting so much of the spotlight. I think it is to deal with uh, Cara Dune, honestly. If she wasn't in that situation, this would probably be her on the screen instead of him, honestly. But I love I love what this actor's done. He's, he's, he's really adding that threat. Like, hey, look, like you guys got to pay attention. There's something going on out here. I like how we see him in a new costume. He's not just in a rebel pilot costume. More respectable. Um, he's got some kind of patch. I would not be surprised if that patch signifies that he's a ranger of the New Republic. I, I, I Yeah, he's been in the show, right? I'll be honest yeah. with you. When I saw it, I'm like, who was this? We've he never. Was, he was him. the space cop. Remember, yeah, he was the one that basically cop. pulled Dent yeah. over. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I have no opinion of this because I forgot who he was. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the part of the problem is, like, I don't think we've seen him without a helmet on. <laughs> or there yeah. might have been, like, one yeah. seed, but he was in that, that X-Wing pilot costume with probably a longer beard. So he did look a little bit different than the last time we've seen him. So, I mean, it's not... Sure. Yeah. So here yeah, we go. I think... Oh, go, go ahead, on. Ben. Oh, go on, Chris. I was just going to go to the next image here because we have an image of here. this ancient helmet of mandalore that i would assume is is din picking this up and call me crazy whatever but i think this is like the original helmet of like mandalore the great or something like that i feel like this is a really significant moment in din Djarin's journey and he might actually like this might be like him picking up the mantle of mandalore like he goes into the caves he gets his helmet and this this helmet has a significance to unite the people all around there's no more infighting uh everybody just joins together and they make a new mandalore or something of that of that decree or it could just be like hey there's just this old helmet cool all right and just tosses it aside i think what it is it's going to be something like that it'll be maybe an old helmet but i think we might get the whole you know star wars always has like their prophecies and stuff i think were I think this could be like him potentially going on the journey to like I don't know walk through the cave system or walk through the whatever system to eventually get down and you know he's gonna ride a mythosaur he's got to ride the mythosaur in this show like you know you you'd expect it anyways um just because like that's like the whole prophecy thing um and all that stuff I mean uh the one the Ugnot talked about it in season one. Uh, about the the Mandalorians riding the Mythosaur, like that sort of stuff. So, like, I just think that's we're going to be getting a lot of allusions to him basically being the knight in shining armor going against the dragon, aka the Mythosaur. And I think that's, I think that could be one of our big money type shots or money type situations of this entire season. Heck yeah, heck yeah. So. That could be it. There's a lot of references to the, the riding the Rancor Boba Fett. Hey, we've seen that happen before. Uh, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen with that. Uh, let's see. Getting into our next image here. Oh, this is another big one. This is another big one. I got to admit, I wasn't expecting to see four Jedi Knights or Jedi Masters uh, defending uh, the Jedi Temple here. Milton, I know you're awake enough to... to no, or at least remember this shot, right? Oh yeah, I saw this one. Ready? If you don't like lightsabers, I mean it's over for you. Um, <laughs> I mean this is tight. I mean, look, look, it's it's cool to see. I mean, this got to be a flashback. I, mean, right. I don't care anything because it's flashback. So we got to see. I assume this is whenever Anakin or yep. the the clones attack the temple. So, um, it's it's cool to see what they're gonna do with this. Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna get the resolution of oh, who saved Grogu? I think they teased it last season. We got a lot of backstory on Grogu. Like we knew nothing about Grogu season one, and we know so much more. We got his name. Heck, we don't have to call him Baby Yoda anymore. He's got a name, Grogu. So we learned so much. And uh, I gotta say, I respect Lucasfilm so far for not like putting Grogu and every other thing they've released. Like they, it could have been so easy to put like Grogu in the background in Obi Wan Kenobi. They they could have been so easy to put him in the Bad Batch or something, 
um, or in Tales of the Jedi or anything like that. But they've been restraining themselves to to tell his story solely in the Mandoverse content. And yeah, it's got to be Vader, right? I mean, who else could it be? That's the only dark Jedi we've seen. But it, it'll be cool to see like, okay, who picks him up? And, and how does he end in the hands of some hut slavers or whatever those uh nick nick though people were on that planet yeah yeah i mean that was one of the one that was probably the shot that really like made me look the most like or like really like go whoa the most at this because it's like i think this shot opens up a, a lot of possibilities for a lot of different things uh for one you know it could be you know remember the last time we saw these flashbacks happening it was when, um, you know, Grogu was, like, connecting and, like, thinking about his past with, like, Ahsoka and all this stuff. So, like, my thing is, it's just, like, what for what? What's bringing up these memories? Is it going to be, you know, are we going to have kind of, like, a dual story on Coruscant with Pershing? We saw Pershing on Coruscant. What if Grogu and Mando are on Coruscant as well and go, man, guys, what if we get the ruins of the Jedi Temple? Like, how cool would that be? Um, because... The thing is, something's going to have to, like, trigger this flashback for Grogu. And assuming it's a flashback, I mean, it's got to be. So, you know, triggering this flashback. And then for two, it's like, like you mentioned, Chris and, and Milton, like, who the heck saves Grogu? Who the heck saves him? Like, like, are you going to actually have, I don't know, Vader come in there, taking out these Jedi, and, like, him not realize or sense in the Force, like, oh, over in the corner, there's, like, a baby Yoda sitting over there, like... They got to have someone swipe Grogu out of that scene before Vader gets in there to take everyone out. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like, it's just a matter of who. Like, because I was thinking about it. Ahso it can't be Ahsoka because Ahsoka, I don't think it would be for the timeline anyways, because wasn't Ahsoka fighting Maul during this? Um, yeah. During like, okay, so it can't be Ahsoka or they would be like mega retconning. So like, it strikes off Ahsoka. It, I mean, I heard, I have... heard the rumor, or not rumors, but I've heard speculation that could be Barasafi. Oh, that'd be an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, because, maybe yeah. Barris. Maybe. Um, I mean, see that this is the thing too. Like, I'm one of the biggest like bring back Mace Windu people, <laughs> but you can't bring Mace Windu back through a flashback like this. Like, he it has to be more epic, so it won't be Mace. So to me, it's just like who who's it gonna be like you said it could be barris and i don't think they're gonna just have some random you know i don't know random person on the street grab him and go oh let me grab this little creature so mm -hmm. it's just like who the heck is it gonna be that's that's a big question and just a fun thing for us as fans like man guys how hype is it gonna be if we see, even if it's five seconds, just see Anik, see Vader get through the door and we see Hayden, like, just start, oh, yeah. you know, have, have like a five second little thing with the Jedi and then it cuts, like, just to see Hayden again. Well, like, you know that they probably, like, filmed when they were doing Obi-Wan. Like, they knew this was, this, this, remember, this was being filmed at the same time, so they're like, hey, Hayden, you want to come by the set one day and we'll just, like, shoot a couple other extra shots? Okay, we'll here see. you go. <laughs> well, see, guys, here here's something to throw out there, too. Remember from, from two two, three years ago now, whenever whenever we had that November uh, announcement of all the shows and everything, coming out of that, um, there were multiple reports from, like, you know, the credible sources we've all talked about before, talking about one of the concept arts for the Obi-Wan show was, like, Anakin walking through the temple or something. It makes me wonder, 
if they took that and placed it into this show, like as a flashback, like hmm. Anakin against these Jedi, because like that came out around that time of the Star Wars panel in 2020. So it's just like, I wonder if that's the idea they took. And that's what we're getting here with these Jedi. Yeah. Um, because, you, you know, this sequence is going to be really interesting. It's going to have everyone locked in because the prequel era is a special era in Star Wars, in my opinion. And it's just it's always fun, like getting looks because um, I don't know about you guys, but like when it comes to me anyways, like I love getting like the the I don't know how to describe it, like like the backdoor looks at the movies, you know, like when Ahsoka is in Revenge of the Sith, like, you know, like I love getting like those side angle looks at movies. We already know like what's going on. Like I love this whole flashback thing. Cause it's like, Oh man, this was happening during Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Very cool stuff. Yeah. Jumping into the next one, we have tie interceptors. And if this was to believe to be before the, the next shot, we'll be following a gauntlet starfighter of Mandalorian, uh, descent but yeah this is this is a big one for me as a fan as i all said return of the jedi is usually my favorite star wars film at any given time so to have any iconography of return of the jedi is just always great and the fact that it is the year of the 40th anniversary of return of the jedi makes this even more special but yeah it's just really cool to see again the imperial remnant and just when you thought that they had basically seemed defeated <laughs> They somehow have a whole squadron of elite tie interceptors. Oh man, this is, this was a nice surprise for me. Yeah, no, it looked fire. It's, it's a beautiful scene. I mean, I, look, I think the space battles in this show have been nothing but consistent. So I, I was pleased with the shot. Yeah, I, the thing is, well, it's like they haven't really even had that many, right? Like, like season one. That you had that tiny like one-on-one space battle. There wasn't like any asteroids. It was just straight up in space. The Razor Crest versus some random bounty hunter. Uh, season two, we did see like that that little chase through the ice fields and that planet with Carson Teva. And already in season three, just from the promotion, we've seen an asteroid field chase. Now we're seeing a gauntlet fighter being chased by these tie interceptors. And we'll can you continue on to the next shot here. You see this great shot. Reminds me of something from Empire Strikes Back where the, the Gauntlet Fighter is a very large... It's not even... Yeah, it's it's not a small ship. You can have a bunch of crew in these ships. So they have to actually spin it to the side to fit it through the cannon. Kind of like the Millennium Falcon pulls that trick when it's you know going in the asteroid field through the Exogorth's moon thing it was flying through. So yeah, really, really great shots here for sure for a TV show especially. Oh yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, that's hype. Yeah, that, that's hype. It looks good. Oh yeah, like like throughout this trailer, that's another thing too. Like when I when I was watching this trailer, I thought I was like, oh man, I know Chris always like appreciates the vehicles and stuff. So I was like, man, I bet he's gonna like really enjoy a lot of these these different vehicles they're showing. Yeah, and and speaking of prequels, uh, I did not catch this on the first viewing. We got B one battle droids in Star Wars, guys. We got them. They're here. Yes, Lucasfilm's finally putting these things in in Star Wars after the fact of, of uh, the Phantom Menace and all those things. So, yeah, there's this like droid party happening. Uh, maybe this is the Droid Gatra, which is a, a faction that's actually currently in the Star Wars comics alongside black sun alongside crimson dawn alongside the pike syndicate you have the droid gotcha just a gang of droids misfit droids so and we know they're in the time after revenge uh, after return of the jedi so hey what good time to bring in a bunch of droids but it's kind of um 
like a reverse shot of of the cantina scene from very first uh, a new hope it's like no droids in here and in this case it's like yeah new, no humans in here only droids so where's their reaction to this anybody honestly i'll be i'll keep it 100 100% with y'all i don't even care like i don't care about the droids like i really don't like they do nothing for me like in this scene i mean i really cuz unless they're an integral part of the story like okay, is this B battle on droids? You know what I'm saying? Like, like. But it's so cool because we. I, I, seen... I, I just want to see Mandal. I just want to see Mandalore. I just want to see the Mandalorian just kick ass. Like that's all I care about. But yeah, I, I think it's the significance of Lucasfilm addressing like, yeah, we we're, we're putting B one droids in Star Wars again. Like for me, it's a big deal. It's like we haven't seen these guys literally since the prequels. Like they haven't put them in any live action bits of anything I, I remember, unless you count like. The Rise of Skywalker, there was like a part of one hanging up on the wall of uh, the little guy's room there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, for me, it was just it was just cool seeing him more than anything. It, you know, like Milton said, it's kind of it's kind of whatever, because like there it probably most likely, unfortunately, it's going to be like, a, I don't know, Mando walk, walks into this place and then he walks out like, you know, it's it could be something like that. Um, but then again, I mean, hey, um, knowing this show, and you know, knowing like baby Yoda cuteness, they'll probably do something to pay homage to, I don't know, like the Jedi using the Force on the battle droids or something. You know, yeah. I could see something like that happening, just because it's like, you know, like you said, Chris, they haven't put live action battle droids in since two thousand five, basically. So it's just a matter of what they're going to be doing, which. Probably isn't going to be a lot, but maybe maybe we'll get proven wrong. It's going to be a droid. It's going to be a B one droid renaissance for twenty twenty three. I'm calling it here on Outer Rim Transmission number ninety two on uh, January twentieth, twenty twenty three. Because let's see, we got them in the comics so far. We've seen some droids in the comics. Uh, we've already seen battle droids. I think that are coming in this season of Bad Batch. We're getting them in Jedi Survivor. I'm sure they'll be mentioned in some novel at some point, maybe in the Jedi Survivor novel. And we're getting them in live action. So it's like, yeah, every medium is going to be covered with B1 battle droids. It's, again, Dan Griefus' favorite year um, because he's going to get fed with so much B1 content. Um, Now, this is the next shot. This has the Anzellan species, same people as Babu Frick. Um, Is this Babu Frick? I don't know. Ben, I think this is the same thing you just explained, which w- could happen with Din and the Baldrids. Like in this, it seems like somebody falls next to a window, pans up, and these two little guys. I know a lot of people are freaking out on the internet about this more than almost anything else in this trailer. Everybody loves these little guys, but I really feel like these are going to be a blink and you miss it moment. These you're going to see these guys for five seconds, and then it's going to go. So <laughs> they're going to be. I mean, at first for. First glance, I, I was like, wait, was that Babu Frick, you know? Because it was so quick. Yeah. Um, But I think what it's going to end up being, like you said, it's going to be a five-second thing. It's going to be like the, um, what do you call him? My favorite little creature. The the um, the um, guy with Jabba. Like, oh, it's going to be like... Walking yeah. monkey lizards? Yeah, it's going to be like those from the first Mandalorian trailer from Mando Season 1 where it shows the clocking monkey lizards like like hanging out on like a telephone wire or whatever, looking at Mando walking in, walking into one, the bounty hunters in, guild. Like it's going to just be like that. Probably just literally 
blink and you miss it type yeah. type deal. Well, by the way, we did get a quacky monkey lizard, but I just didn't include him on these slides because we've already seen him in the first trailer <laughs> for season three. But yeah, funny, interesting stuff there. Now, a long call back to the beginning of this trailer breakdown. I was mentioning, oh, Mandalore, people of Mandalore affected. This has got to be Mandalore. Is this an irradiated Aqualish or some other alien? I like it's it's such a blink and you miss it moment when this creature jumps down. But the way it has like four or eight eyes, it looks like that would lead me to believe it's an Aqualish or something like that. But like just this random creature when it first happened in the trailer, I screamed, "Oh my gosh!" Is for whatever reason I said the Mythosaur when I was looking at the trailer for the first. Like, no, that can't be right. But but what the hell? Like this would be really cool if they introduced like a Fallout situation to the Star Wars universe where it's like you got like the the mutant goblin whatever the hell those creatures are called in the Fallout series um and maybe you got some mutated aliens in Star Wars because of the what happened with Sundari and all that Oh yeah like I could I could definitely see this being you know him the the uh the let's just say Aqualish for all for all intents and purposes I could see him like maybe you know, like you said, Chris, it's gonna be something like something along those lines, like Din's feeling bad, like, you know, roaming around Mandalore and you know, he runs into like this dude and it's like, oh, the fallout, you know, blah 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 blah. It's gonna be something like that where it basically makes Din feel feel like crap. It looks like a giant I... Bigfoot. It looks, it looks like a Star Wars Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Man. actually <laughs> that's actually a really good good one. Hey, maybe maybe that is the, yeah, we'll we'll go with the mythosaur like the mythosaur is like Bigfoot Milton <laughs> Ten discovers it. Oh man, and in the last shot what's happening with that creature is it's being forced pushed the heck out of that cave by Grogu concentrating in the forest having his little pram. Yeah, of course it wouldn't be a Mandalorian trailer without Grogu in it, so it'll be fun yep. getting those reactions from a lot of people online. Wait a minute, last we left off Mandalorian was Luke, why is he here all of a sudden? I can't wait, I can't wait to see the internet explode with all that. They aren't going to do that, because they're going to do exactly what they did with the Kenobi show previously in Star Wars, and recap 1 through 3, they're going to just do previously in Star Wars, and recap oh, yeah. Grogu they're gonna do that. I I would be willing to bet money on it. I bet you they do that because look, they showed precedence with it with Kenobi. Like they they did that to basically. Of course, what are the odds someone's watching Obi Wan Kenobi and hasn't seen the prequels? But if you haven't, they put that little two minute previously in Star Wars on there, and I bet you they do that for this show. Like previously in the book of Boba Fett, and it's gonna just do a little recap. Um, of Din going and picking up Grogu from Luke and like them flying off. And that's where it's going to continue. I bet. Um, but of course you will have those fringe people saying, Oh wait, you know what happened here? What happened there? But I think, I think that should be fine. And then also to address like the shot here with Grogu, like force pushing the creature, like we called it, we, we knew there would be some type of Grogu good shot in this show. And, and we got it like you know they gotta they gotta put the money sh the money shot for any of the mandalorian trailers has to be grogu just because it's you know it's a grogu at this point is like 
is uh, like you have Darth Vader, obviously, is the most iconic Star Wars character, but Grogu is number two, in my opinion. Like, he's that noticeable now. Hmm. Yeah. 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 Millen, thoughts on this little image here of Grogu? He looks good. I mean, I think Ben's right. I mean, he's, you got to include him in the trailer. I just want, he just better wreck people this season. He needs to do something badass. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And along with all the images, we did get a new piece of key art for the Mandalorian season three. You know, of course, it's it's the Mandalorian, so it's going to focus obviously on Din Djarin. So yeah, nice kinetic action here where we're seeing him floating through the air with his jetpack, Grogu in one hand. His I like how the detail on his cape is like singed with magma. Um, so I'm assuming this is probably on Mandalore, so it just shows us what's what's coming up next. Uh, nothing really to glean uh, from that. But yeah, there you go. That was our breakdown for the final trailer for Season 3 of The Mandalorian. Uh, hopefully uh, we get this and we're enjoying every single episode to the fullest because, uh, well, we've been waiting a long time for it. So we're, we're all excited over here and we're sure you are out there listening, watching us, um, for this new season. But, um, yeah, I think that just about does it. anybody have anything last to say about this trailer or anything else tonight? No, I'm good. I'm just looking forward to the show, man. Hopefully it's good, which I assume it will be. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think, I think we're, I think we're in for a real treat for this, this season of Mando. And to me, really, this feels like the start, of course, Last year, or the last time we saw Mando, with, you know, when Ahsoka made that Thrawn connection, I think this season is going to be, like, the first... Of course, we've had little hints here and there. Ahsoka, we've had Bo-Katan talking about stuff. We had Carson Teva talking about stuff. But this, I think this season is the true kickoff to the Mandalorian universe, like, crossing over or starting Mm -hmm. to, like, really do their connective tissue stuff because you know look we already have Carson Teva talking about m- more going on out there um you know we have obviously we have the Mandalore the Mandalore story is going to be front and center that'll be the main story but you'll have all of these breadcrumbs in the background yeah. like Carson Teva you'll have the hints of the imperial stuff with um with Dr. Pershing you'll have those type of things i think this is going to be the season that we're going to really get that connective tissue yeah. and then on top of we got to remember as well, we're getting Ahsoka this year as well. Skeleton Crew's looking like it's probably the end of the year. It's like we're getting these three quote-unquote like mm-hmm. Mandoverse shows that are all connected in like a calendar year, basically. So to me, like this is the true um, like start of yep. these shows really, really being connected. Yeah, I like the idea of, as I was saying before, when we were talking about Coruscant, like, Season one and two are very individualized, like especially season one. Like we very rarely did we ever look to another storyline other than Din because the story was so small. It was just focus on him. There's no need to focus on any other characters at that point. And then now we got a whole spinoff with Book of Boba Fett. I'm expecting season three to be the caliber of Andor as far as characters are. I think we're going to be jumping around quite a bit, which is needed. I, I'm looking for a larger impact. I want to see this impact. Um, and you can't really feel the impact of and weight of a, a conflict unless you're getting the different perspectives on either side of the war. So, yeah, give us those storylines of uh, Pershing, 
Maybe we'll have a storyline that continues of a thread with Moff Gideon on trial with the New Republic. That'd be really cool. Maybe somebody's trying to break him out. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe Person's trying to break out Moff Gideon. Maybe he's on a, a in a prison on Coruscant or something like that. So there's a lot of a lot of potential there. And uh, well, we don't have much longer to wait. We have eh, just over just over a month um, until we start breaking that down every week on the channel here. Um, yeah, so that's going to do it. Where can the people find you and what are you going to be up to this week, Melon? Watching the Eagles tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Tough game. That's all I care about. Nothing else I'm doing. Eagles tomorrow night. <laughs> like that's Just keeping it on your playoff game, trying to go to the chip. Um, they can find me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton7Weber. There you go, Ben. There you go. I mean, that's pretty much my plans as well, Milton. Yeah. Just watching play football all weekend is pretty much all I all my only plans this weekend are just watching playoff football. Um, oh, also watching The Last of Us oh, um, on yeah. Sundays. That show, God, I, I'm I'm not sure if you've watched it yet, Milton. But me and Chris, like, we could probably talk about that for an hour, and I haven't uh -huh. even played the the game before. And I think that show is phenomenal for me. For not for me not being like, um. For me not having played that game at all, the way they started the series, it hooks Best anybody way. who watches it. Perfect. It hooks anybody who watches it perfectly. And it's kind of like I alluded to it when I was talking to my my cousins about this and my my good friend. It's kind of like how Mando season two does. You know, they introduce Bo Katan so smoothly. They introduce Ahsoka smoothly. Like they do such a date, like, you know, John and Dave did such a good job of like it, it appeases to the hardcore fans, mm -hmm. but it's it's easy enough for the new fans to consume. And like The Last of Us, for me not playing the game, mm. like it was easy enough for me to consume and get hooked by the story. As soon as you get through the first five minutes, like the yep. intro stuff, you know what oh, I'm yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah, Chris, yeah, when yeah, I yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. what goes on. Like when you get into the intro stuff, that hooks you enough like, oh man, this is wild. And the craziest thing to keep in mind too, like I was doing some reading this week. I haven't looked into any of the spoilers for the game or anything, but... Um, like that, the crux of the last of us is actually based off of like a real fungus and bugs, like, like in the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's crazy. Like seeing them, like to me, when they apply concepts like that, like real world concepts and make them like far fetched, like this game, this show is, it's so good. Like, and the quality is amazing. And it's with our lead lovable Din Djarin himself. Pedro Pascal leading the way. Yep, so I highly recommend that show to anybody that's listening to this podcast. Definitely check it out. It only just started last week, so we have plenty of time to um, hop into it. So yeah, you can find me talking about that show and the NFL playoffs and fitness on Twitter at RealBenMaynard. And then you can find me documenting my fitness journey on Instagram of working on getting shredded again at RealBenMaynard as well. Yeah, yeah. Pedro Pascal does a hell of a performance. Oh my gosh, yeah. that guy absolutely kills it, as well as everybody else involved. And oh, this is a fun fact. There's an actor that plays his brother in the show named Tommy. His name is Gabriel Luna. And I'm happy I remembered to talk about this because Gabriel Luna is a huge Star Wars fan. He has gone on the record on video talking to Ash Crossan over at ET Online. And she straight up has a conversation with him about Star Wars. He's like, yeah, I've written letters to Dave Filoni to put me in as Ezra Bridger years ago 
He's like, yes, I I would do a great job if Ezra Bridger, all this stuff. But then he started going on a tangent about the High Republic. He's like, yeah, I read the books. He's like, I'd be a great sell in Geos or, or um, Elzar Man. Sorry, Elzar Man. I was like, oh my gosh, this guy is hardcore. Like, somebody get this guy on the phone. Like, get him in something now. This guy's got... And he's cool because I, I already have experience, like, watching this actor and other things because I'm a big fan of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was on there. And he played Ghost Rider, which was like this Robbie Ray has version of Ghost Rider. He was so good. And that was like one of the best parts of that entire series is when they did that whole that whole storyline with Ghost Rider. And now he's in The Last of Us playing opposite of Pedro Pascal. And it's like, damn, just just get this guy in Star Wars. So it's, it's always fun when you see like an actor actively like reaching out out of their own way to be like, I want to be in this, you know. Oh yeah, it's it's always it's always a lot of fun. Like I love I love seeing when a, I love seeing actors like get so excited about that. Um, you know, it, it just it just makes things uh it, it just makes things a lot more fun. I mean, heck, talking about actors um having a lot of fun with it. Did you guys see a couple weeks ago Leonardo DiCaprio? He worked on some movie or something with someone. Um, I forget the actor's name. Anyways, like Leo and the other actor were. We're like talking about um, whatever they were promoting, and it was funny because the other actor was like, "Man, you know, Leonardo is such like a big Star Wars fan. Like he forced me to watch um, both seasons of The Mandalorian. What? Like, cause he he said he kept coming to set every day, like bothering me. Like, have you watched it? Have you watched oh it? Have you watched gosh. it? So he said like he finally made him sit down and they binge watched both seasons of Holy it because DiCaprio is such a big Star Wars fan. Like oh. he's because he was like, oh, you got to check it out for like this and that and like." You know, I guess DiCaprio is like a really big Star Wars fan like that. Um, oh. And it's like, it's it's so cool seeing actors like, you know, like be passionate about Star Wars. Because like, you know, normally, like how many times, Chris have we, and Milton, have we seen like actors? It's like the generic, oh, I'd love to be in Star Wars. Well, of course you would. It's like a big check, you know. Mm -hmm. But like you see them actually being like passionate about it. It's just so freaking cool. Yeah. So you can you could also yeah. find me talking about. Last of Us. Uh, I'll be painting miniatures, watching paint dry this weekend. So uh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to be up to. Uh, you can follow me at Star Raptor. And of course, uh, if you're watching, if you're not watching, youtube.com slash Star Raptor is where you can find the content that I produce. And as always, I'm talking about the Star Wars comics and more. And we do host this podcast on any podcast streaming app. Make sure you go ahead if you can't watch us. As we go live, you can listen to us at the gym, on the drive to work, everything else you do. Um, just look up Outer Room Transmission, Spotify, Google Play, Music, Apple Music, Amazon Music, all that. I'm pretty sure it's on at this point. So there you go. For Milton, for Ben, for I, Chris, a.k.a. Star Raptor, this was Outer Room Transmission, episode 92. Thanks for watching. May the Force be with you and transmission.